1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So, Auntie, and I am not going to attempt to say his last name, because it's Finnish. Auntie is from Finland, and he runs, pretty much wears all the hats of the Finnish Game Foundation. The Finnish Game Foundation was started back in the 50s as a wildlife research agency foundation and sort of lost its way a little bit, but has now found new legs, new inspiration under Auntie. And so Auntie and I have been chatting over email and through some video conference calls about the work that they're doing. They're doing some amazing work investing in the land, specifically for wetlands and duck restoration. But I wanted to have a general conversation with Auntie about Finnish hunting, thoughts, perceptions, how they do things, because I think it's just a cool way to understand hunting culture of another country. If you enjoy understanding, learning about hunting culture of a different country, then this podcast is for you. And maybe it inspires you to put Finland on the bucket list in terms of where you need to go hunt. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Okay, good. Yeah, I got a cup of coffee. It what is, it's 5.27 in okay. the morning. Did you go to workout I, already? I have, yeah. I've had my workout this morning. Okay. <laughs> what did you do? Um, uh, on these kinds of mornings, I like to do a weighted ruck. Okay. You know what that is? No. So a ruck is essentially a weighted walk. Uh-huh, okay. It's been known to be very good for sort of musculature, uh, for your tendons, uh, for cardiovascular, um, 
yeah, it's just known for good. Um, it's just a good workout. It doesn't strain anything. I hate running. I don't run anymore. Okay. Um, and I mix it with my mountain bike. So, and okay. on mornings like this, when I have to podcast, I, um, it's just a good 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I walk in the door 10 minutes before the podcast, brew a cup of coffee, and uh, off we go. And we okay. speak to people all around the world. And uh, here we are. I think this is our probably third podcast because we've had a couple of podcasts with Alexi um, in Finland. Yeah. Wonderful. So, Auntie, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Finally. Thank Holy you. smokes. How long has it taken us to get together? Nice to be here. I think it's been uh, months. A few months. months, maybe a couple more. <laughs> but it's okay. It's good to be here, finally. We are here. We are here. And we're both extremely busy because we both are essentially... What, what, I don't want to mess up, but Auntie, what, what is your title? Uh... uh Project manager is, is uh, I have two titles. I have a, a title slash title. Um, I'm working as a project manager for, for this foundation's uh, fundraising project. And at the same time, I'm, uh, I'm managing the whole foundation, which sounds pretty cool. It, uh, I've seen people use CEO in these kind of <laughs> titles, but now when I'm the only employer of the uh, <laughs> Of the foundation, it's uh, it's not really that cool. <laughs> so essentially, you are a a man of many, wearing many hats. Yes. You manage projects, you raise money for the projects, mm-hmm. and then you pretty much manage the entire quote unquote foundation. Yeah. That's... So what is the foundation? Because I know uh, that's what I I know it, but our listeners would be interested. What what kind of foundation do you run in Finland, Auntie? Well, um, this foundation is, is pretty old for, in our scale. Um, Finnish Game Foundation was um, established in 1942 uh, for developing and uh, doing uh, Finnish game animal research. Um, and it kept on going like 20 years. We had our own uh, research facilities and we had own uh, research people employed before. Um, Finnish government built a nationalized Finnish uh, Institute of uh, Wildlife. Uh, what do you okay. call it? Natural Resources like the, and everything. Yeah, yeah like the, 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 the Natural Resources Department of yeah, Finland. Pretty much, yes. At, at that time, um, because it was all nationalized, we, we had to sell everything we had uh, related to the um, game management research. Uh, and then for decades, the only thing we did uh, not not only thing we did it was it was a good thing to do what we, what we did we published the Finnish um and Riista publication which is a Finnish uh, wildlife related uh, s- scientific um, publication uh, and then okay. we uh, granted a, um, what do you call these grants to the students yep. that are, that are uh, researching uh, game animals uh, and we did that for decades. Before, like three years ago, four years ago, uh, the, the the rules of the foundation were changed to allow the foundation to start this kind of approach project work that I'm doing now. And now we have got back to where we kind of started. Uh, right now, the foundation is trying to 
branch itself um, to fundraising for habitat restoration in Finland mm-hmm. from the private sector. And that's what, I, what I'm doing here. How, how is the Finnish landscape in terms of philanthropy? You know, philanthropy, essentially. Are they philanthropic people? Are the Finnish people willing to give? Uh, my perspective to this is pretty narrow still. I've done this for two years, maybe, and uh, at least the first year was just like building blocks, you know, building yep, websites, yep. building infrastructure and everything. But I, I, from my perspective, when it comes to hunters, uh, they do not, uh, they do, do not give away money pretty easily. Right. Um, we're living in the, in, in the harsh northern Europe where everything is, you have to work for everything. It, it's kind of a joke, but actually, I think the money here is it's, it's tighter than it probably is in many other places in the world. Uh, yeah. And we have a lot to do. We have to work really much to, to make people open up their purses. Yeah. Yeah. So the Finnish Game Foundation... Pro hunting organization? Yes. Built on the foundation of hunters? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's built on the five... Uh, actually, it was founded by the Finnish Hunters Association and the former, oh, oh, which still is, the, um, what do you call it, Ministry of Forestry and Agriculture here in Finland. So the Ministry of Forestry and Agriculture and Finnish Hunters Association uh, built this foundation in 1942. And and now in the board of trustees we also have the Finnish Wildlife Institution, the Finnish Institution of Natural Resources, uh, the institution governing all the forest um, equity we have have in Finland. Um, so it's kind of it's it's built by the hunters. I would say so. Is the Finnish Hunting Association, Hunters Association, still a thing today? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. There have been, um, there has been, um, what do you call it? the kind of separation of the Finnish Hunters Association we had in 1942. It's not the same that it's it's nowadays, uh, but still, the the focus on is is on the hunting. They are governing kind of the doing the work for hunters, and then we have the Finnish Wildlife Institution, who is working for to manifest uh, whatever the legislation is from the Ministry of Forestry and Agriculture. And, you know, it's, it's been divided in two. But they're still around. Both yeah. really important pieces of Finnish hunting. Antti, uh, do you hunt yourself? Yes. As much as Give, I ever can. As much as you can. Yeah. For people who, like, are completely unfamiliar with what you can hunt in Finland, what, what are the things that people can hunt in Finland? Um, we have a long country from, from south to north, at least in, in European perspective. How long is Finland? 1,200 kilometers, I suppose, something like that. So it's about, I think the width of Texas is 900 miles or 980 miles. Yeah, we're a little bit shorter. A bit shorter, but that yeah. gets a good comparison of like how long. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, what we hunt in, in the south is not what we hunt in the north. Uh, pretty much in the northern parts, it's uh, much like moose, uh, uh, capricorn, black grouse, 
willow grouse, birds, a lot of birds, a bear. Um, in the southern you have parts, bear? black bear, a brown bear, brown bear. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, you can still hunt brown bear in Finland. Yeah, yeah, we do. How do they hunt brown bear? How do they hunt bears in Finland? Uh, depending on the place, but mostly on the southern parts of the Finland and the eastern, uh, like Karelia, northern Karelia. When we go up to some about a little bit over the halfway of of, of Finland, uh, it's usually done by like uh, groups of men and and uh, uh, dogs. Okay. Um, and then the the further north we go. The kind of the hunting groups, uh, they they get smaller, and it might be just like one man and one dog after a bear. Yeah. But there's not much, as as I know that in North America, people hunt bears like uh, glassing. Uh, and uh, it, yeah, in the spring, it's it's a spot and stalk type activity when the bears come out of hibernation and they're on the slopes, the green slopes. Yeah. But hound hunting for bears is a pretty big tradition still in in america and it's 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 quite surprising that hound there is hound hunting for bears in finland yeah. um makes me consider that there's a potentially like international story of like bear hunting and dogs we're we're finishing right now a documentary on mountain lions yeah. and dogs yeah uh, uh this is a, a partially a joke but also, there's a lot of truth in this. Seems to me that that everything you can hunt is hunted by dogs, <laughs> in, in, uh-huh. hunted with dogs in Finland. Uh-huh. And and um, dogs are a really big part of the hunting culture in here. It, it doesn't mean that people. Do you don't think hunt. it's traditional? Is that one of the most traditional methods in Finland to hunt? Depending on the species, but if we take like Finnish spits, which is a small uh, pointed ear. Um, barking dog, um, Suom and Pystukor, our national dog, it's been okay. around for forever. It's like a ancient breed. You can you can find uh, uh, you can find material of of that kind of dogs being used. Okay, and that's a a a, a specific Finnish style Finnish breed, and I think I've seen this in in videos. Uh, if I go back to the Finnish Spitz, our national dog, the pointed yeah. ear, the pointed, pointed ear, a small, um, and they bra- use it for everything, right, Anti? Yeah, it's been used for everything. Now it's it's more like a uh, like a game bird dog for for forest birds, capercaillies, and black black grouse, but it's been used for for moose as well. I don't know about the bears, but but yeah, huh. interesting. Yeah. So you can hunt bears. What else? Capercaillie, you've told us all about the, the different bird species. Yeah. Capercaillie, black grouse, willow grouse, hazel grouse, um, moose. Then we have the forest reindeers that have their population, like the caribou. Okay. Pretty close to caribous. But their um, their population declined really much. It's, it's kind of uh, went extinct, I think, after the, the Second World War. But now okay. we have the population back here again. It's now a few thousands of animals in Finland, but they're uh, trying to, you know, um, what do you call them? Take take it to the other places in Finland as sure. well to spread it around. What um, what that story of the reindeer, mm. Auntie? Who was who was behind that resurgence? Uh, 
behind taking it into extinction? No, you know well, what I mean? Both taking it into like, so let me, uh, I, I'm sort of asking the question because we've had obviously something very similar happen yeah. in the United States. Yeah. In the turn of the century, a lot of our species, elk, antelope, turkeys, mm. white-tailed deer were pretty much wiped out yeah. from a consumer um, supply perspective, right? Supplying yeah. meat to the armies, supplying meat to the city centers oh. and sportsmen stood up. And hunters stood up and said, mm, we need to stop this yeah. and enacted laws and regulations on themselves um, as well as through the federal government to create mechanisms to create yeah. um, population increases of all those animals. And today, yeah. the only reason we have amazing elk, amazing antelope, amazing turkeys, amazing white-tailed deer is because of hunters. Actually, the story is, uh, is really similar here. Uh, the, the, the animals were hunted down for, for food. Uh, the legislation for hunting wasn't really good, or the, there wasn't uh, really specific hunting regulations uh, when we, we, if we're talking about like uh, 1800s. Now when we get to 1900s and the Second World War ages, uh, that's when our hunting regula regulations started to build up. Uh, that's also when the conservation thoughts arised and uh, those are kind of the turning points when when this animal uh, population started to grow again if we think about the moose i don't remember how many moose we hunt here in like hundred thousand or something maybe a year um if we go back hundred years to 1920 something 1915 or something uh i've heard that the moose population in finland was evaluated to be in some Tens of animals. Tens of animals some or tens, tens of thousands? Tens. Some tens. Like uh, wow. 30, 40, something like this. Uh, this wow. Is, this is what I've read. And how many are you taking a year right now? 100,000. Wow. Yeah. I, I might be off the, off the numbers like 20,000 or something. But anyhow. Anyhow. Okay. Uh, and uh, what, what happened is that they uh, started to, in the legislation, uh, there was um, moose hunting, um, you know, hunting seasons were, were introdu introduced. Um, the moose were, um, what do you call it? You can hunt them for, for years. And, and they were, uh, I know they were fenced around. You couldn't hunt them? You couldn't hunt them? No, no, it was, uh, it was forbidden for, for yeah, years. Yeah, moratorium. Yeah. A moratorium yeah. on hunting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, then when when they which were... is needed, right? Let's be honest. Yeah. As hunters, if there's a population that needs help, mm. we shouldn't be hunting them. Absolutely, that's 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 how it goes. If you if you're hunting down the last animals, what you what you left with? Um, exactly. In case of the forest reindeer, they were hunted down. Uh, what 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 was lucky that there was a uh, pretty healthy population of them. Uh, on the other side of the eastern border, in the Russia. And uh, I think in the last some decades, I don't remember the years, uh, they started to migrate back to the Finland. And, yeah. and uh, that population was uh, really carefully managed. And, and now we have something that, that it's, it's still, now it's hunt, they are hunted, but they're really carefully harvested, like uh -huh. some tens of animals, I guess, uh -huh. per year. Maximum mm -hmm. 100, I would say. Mm -hmm. 
I can check the numbers. But anyhow. You have deer in Finland? Then we have white-tailed deer, yeah. White-tailed oh. deer were introduced here, brought from North America in the early 1900s. And now I would say it's one of the most significant game animal what comes to the ungulates here, um, next to the moose. I think our harvest numbers with the white-tailed deer are about the same as, as with the moose, maybe 100,000 animals per year. Again, interesting. Yeah. So if you went, if Auntie got a, a, a license to hunt white-tailed deer, what, what is on your license, Auntie? Like how many animals can you take, male, female? Eh. Describe that. Uh, it works differently than it works in the in, in United States, for example. Okay. What we have, we have, um, we have to have the minimum surface area of 500 hectares to apply for, uh, to apply for the tags or the licenses. Is uh, there no public land that you can hunt in Finland, auntie? There is, but on those okay. lands, uh, there's no white tail, or if there is, it's been rented to some, somebody else. On public, ha- uh, public lands, you can hunt uh, moose uh, and the game birds, the small, small... Uh, Gotcha. Yeah, small animals. Uh, but anyhow, because we have the minimum surface areas, uh, there are lots of hunting clubs, clubs of people having the surface, adding it up to get over the minimum amounts, and then getting the licenses and spreading them to the club. That's like a really rough example how it works. Myself, uh, I, I am a part of... Um, hunting club here in, in the, near the capital area. Uh, we have something like 1,000 hectares of land. And, okay. and then we add our land to the lands and the hunting clubs around, and we kind of form uh, a common area that applies for the licenses. And then it's, uh, the licenses are spread around the clubs that are within the, the same common license entity, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and now when I'm a member of the club, I know that, okay, we have like 15, uh, white-tailed deer licenses and, uh, everybody as a member of the club can go and hunt the deer. And whenever you shoot a deer, uh, it's just taken off the, from the club's licenses. And yeah, there's... Are there more than 15 people in your club? Yes. I would assume? Yeah. I would say in the group that hunts white-tails in my club, there's, um... 30 people. So there's not enough tags for everyone. No. Although in the 15 licenses we have, part of them are are bucks, part of them are does, and part of them are fawns. And actually two fawns equal to one license. So if we have like 15 licenses, we have, uh, let's say, six adults, and then the rest are, how, how much, 12 fawns? I was, I'm calculating really fast and bad. <laughs> Anyhow, you get the, get the idea. So it's not just one deer per license is what you're saying. There's multiple deer, yeah. gender and age on each license. Yeah. And in, in my club, I would say approximately the average is like one animal per hunter. But then the hunter activity, is, it's, it's, it's really, it varies really much. So people like me who, who try to uh, sit around outdoor as much as I can. I, I usually hunt more than one animal, more than one white tail from, from our club's area per year. 
and some people might just go around and sit for one or two evenings and then yeah. they seldom get anything. So it's, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah. then we have a system that everybody gets uh, access to the meat from the white. Oh, outstanding. Yeah. So if I kill, if I get a fawn, I get it to myself. If I uh, kill an adult uh, animal, if I've already got some meat, it's just spread to the two uh, next guys in the list getting the meat. So do you, would you deliver the meat yourself to them or is it in a communal freezer? Um, yeah, usually that, it goes like that. I, in practice, I, I killed a buck last year. Uh, I skinned it. I, I uh, take, took it to our uh, common slaughterhouse, the, the slaughterhouse of our club, a, a small, really small mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. I just hang it up there and just uh, message people that, okay, your deer is here, come and get it. And uh, then, then the oh. ones getting the meat go there and uh, cut it down themselves. Whitetail deer meat, something that Finnish people enjoy? Absolutely, yeah. A- at least the ones who know at least something about cooking. <laughs> there's, there's an old uh, saying that nothing uh, divides people. Or nothing is, is a more valuable source of argues than moose meat here. Like moose meat is more <laughs> valuable than gold. It's 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 funny, uh, and some people can value... you sell game meat in the supermarkets in Finland, Auntie? Uh, yeah, in restricted way. I don't remember how it goes nowadays. Usually, uh, like before, if you wanted to do it, you'd have to cut it down in a facility that's uh, approved. Approved. By, yeah. 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 And. Um, yeah, some people do it, but I think most of the meat goes to individual people and hunters. Yeah. But again, moose meat is something that like people in Finland think is, is, is the best thing there is. Uh, which is funny f- because I think from my perspective, white tail deer tops that easily. And I, I know many people who would always select the white tail deer above the moose meat. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's just all about how you cook it, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And fins are, I go back to this once more, fins are like, we have a tradition of hunting for food. We are mm. meat people. And, you mm. know, hunting and speaking about hunting as a source of, you know, enjoyment and source of and everything else is, is just trying to pick up. It's just picking up now, nowadays. Do you think that, to that point, is hunting becoming more popular in Finland, in your opinion? Uh, I don't know about the numbers, but I think the demographics are changing. The, the, there's a big bunch of aging people, uh, 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 like in the more remote places in Finland, that it, where maybe the amount of hunters is, is declining. But as mm-hmm. we have everybody moving to the cities for the last decades, everybody's capitalizing, not capitalizing, it's no, urbanized. urbanized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find more and more urban hunters nowadays, or people who yeah. live in the cities and go hunt. Is there a, a growing, and maybe I'll, I'll throw the counter at you, is there a growing anti-hunting sentiment in Finland, or you hardly ever hear about it and they just almost, they pop their head up every so often? I, I, um, I've heard about I've heard about how it is in North America. I think. Uh, oh my it, God. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's more polarized than that what we have. 
Mm. I remember the the numbers, but it, the the anti hunters are like some single percents of people mm-hmm. here, and then mm-hmm. there's uh, some kind of a gray area of people who don't really are are like against or pro hunting, uh, but the majority of Finns approve hunting easily. Why do you think that is? Why do you think North America is so polarized and Finland isn't? Uh, my guess is is that because what, what I say, we're meat hunters. This is uh, and being a meat hunter is not something that I I really say is, is a good thing or a bad thing, but it's kind of because the hunting has been a way of like sustaining yourself, getting food hey. to your family, and and uh, hey. it's not done in excessive way. It's it hasn't been it hasn't been spoken of a thing you do for enjoyment for sports it also doesn't divide as many people as it would if we were mm-hmm. speaking about hunting as a sport more. Mm-hmm. You think that's pervasive across the Scandinavian landscape, Auntie? I would Sweden, say Norway? I, I would guess so. That's my, uh, that's my impression. Are, are the people of Finland... Would you say you're more connected culturally to the landscape, like traditions and heritage? I know you just said that you have a bunch of people moving into the urban centers, but are people still like, this is our tradition, this is culture, and this is part of our our, our heritage? Yeah. Uh, Again, this is my personal uh, personal uh, perspective, but I, I that's how I see it. It's, it's not it's not far away from the ages than we. Have uh, hunted and fished to sustain ourselves. Uh, we 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 don't have uh, we don't have that long of a history of people living in the big cities. We, I see Finns as uh, as uh, kind of how, what do you call it? hunters hunters and gatherers. Yeah. Uh, we haven't been anything else. Uh, it's not a long time before. That ended, in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Finnish Game Foundation that you're you're running, that you're doing all the things in that you're, you're doing. Um, the reason we got together was you guys are involved in a pretty substantial um, government-backed, EU-backed, or was um, wetland restoration project, right? Yes. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that, Auntie. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's called Sotka project and the Sotka project, um, is a wetland restoration project that started 2020, 2020. Yeah. And, and, uh, it was started by the Finnish wildlife institution institution. Um, and it was funded by our, uh, for a ministry of forestry and agriculture. Uh, and for the two years that they did the wetland restoration, their their uh, target was to restore as many wetlands as they could, uh, conduct, uh, get the individual landowners to provide the land for restoration and bringing back waterfowl, brooding and uh, and breeding areas and resting areas and so on. And uh, the the first two years, it was funded by the ministry. So so the basically ma- majority of the work. Uh, all the bulldozers, everything, damming structures they used to get the water levels high, uh, it was funded by the ministry, funded by our, our government. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, 
started and what we did we collected some money and we also we kind of subvented some of the landowners shares to get the biggest wetlands areas to be completed as well we so we kind mm-hmm. of contributed in the funding pipeline in mm-hmm. the last bit of it to to make it easier for the landowners but now the the, the situation has changed uh, the same project had had uh continue uh, what do you call it? like uh CQL, <laughs> Sotka. Yeah, the next step, the, the next, next phase. Yeah, f- f- a funding for two more years uh, that started to this year, and now okay. Sotka project by the Finnish Wildlife Institution is doing the wetland restoration again. But the thing is that the money is, is shorter now. The money yeah. from the government actually only uh, funds or, or finances the development. Of uh, and uh, the planning of the sites, which means that they're not doing any construction on the nothing. sites. Nothing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and uh, what they do is is what the Sotka project does. It uh, gets the application from the landowners. Landowners telling that we have a a potential wetland place here. Can you do this? And then they go. They, they first prioritize the 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 sites according to the numbers and whatever they can get the info from. Then they go check the places, and if they're suitable, the best ones go to the pipeline. Uh, they start doing plans for restoring it, uh, it to extent that they can be actually implemented. Uh, they help with the, some funding, you know, funding guiding, but they don't do. They can't do anything more than to that. And then they uh, do some plannings for a success, uh, sustainable harvest some you know hunting regulation on these places more predatory mm-hmm. control mm-hmm. they do a lot of bunch of stuff but the most important thing is still missing and it's the funding for the caterpillar work and, and the dam instruction and everything mm-hmm. and the first project i i think they had it took like a million euros in two years to build up the 40 something wetland spaces it was how many how many hectares was that? A uh, six hundred fifty hectares, if I remember correctly. The average size of one wetlands was like like fifteen hectares, but actually the median uh, size was a little bit smaller, under ten hectares. Um, and now, what well, we're so there's we... a lot of construction. It wasn't just like because yes. a lot of people are listening. They're like a million euros for six hundred fifty hectares. Man, that's a lot of money, right? That's <laughs> yeah, that's per hectare. But if you were doing it at one slog, if it was one wetland of six hundred and fifty hectares, it wouldn't cost a million. No. But if you're tackling them at ten hectares at a time, mm. the mobilization, demobilization, removing transport of those big heavy machinery, yeah, that's where the money is. Supervising the sites and construction, mm-hmm. there, everything, and actually, uh, it was done really cost effectively. I, I know that the wetlands done here by other projects outside the Sorka project uh, have been, uh, many of them have been a lot more expensive. Their, mm. their average uh, euros per hectare was something like 3,000. Uh, I, I don't remember correctly, but it was around that. Um, and it's, it's all the sites they selected were sites where you can actually just uh, take up the water level by the building dams and, and uh, make them a seasonal wetland. So they, 
keep the water high right as long as as the birds are there uh, when it's not needed anymore they they let the water down to to make the uh, what do you call it uh, everything grow yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like a it, it's the the natural hydrological cycle of a wetland. Yes, actually, yeah, absolutely. Andy, how's the duck hunting? How's the duck population in Finland? Um, can't say the numbers. Duck hunting has changed a lot. Uh, we, what do you are, What do you mean? Um, when my father was uh, was kid, like in sixties, seventies, he said that the uh, ducks were hunted from from the uh, f- f- kind of small scale flyways what they did from the um resting areas to the feeding areas and the feeding areas were you know wetlands and and you know like the fields normal natural places now what has happened in in the last some decades um first the habitats have 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 disappeared a little bit because of the the change in the land using because of the change in the agriculture and everything and at the same time uh baiting ducks Feeding ducks with with oats and everything has yeah. has become a trend, and now we are actually struggling with that trend. We're struggling with the the disappearing habitats, and we're struggling with the baiting or feeding. Uh, 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 there are things, there are solutions being built against the baiting and feeding right now. Uh, they are not still. Uh, implemented but i i have a clue that they are in in a year or two but anyhow duck hunting here is uh some people do it over decoys and and, and calls uh some some people do it as as you do it in north america and some people uh just uh put a 300 kilos of oats to some duck well up. that's illegal here in the united states yeah and i understand it <laughs> it should be here too uh and then they just shoot them over the old pile. Mm-hmm. And then there are these uh, traditional traditional duck hunters that just go um, next to this uh, grassy, what do you call this? Next to the lakes, next to the rivers, and wait for the ducks. Ducks to come by. Yeah. Yeah, the other way, the other method that I know happens in the UK a lot is it's almost like... You, you 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 walk your way up, you sneak your way up to a wetland and jump shoot ducks. Yeah. I.e., if there are ducks there, you sneak around, yeah. get close enough, pop yourself up. They see you, they jump up out of the water, and yeah. you shoot them. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's that's one form which is done here as well. Yeah. But, but duck hunting in Finland is is, I think it's it's on on. Uh, it, it's change. We're on an edge of ch- change. Yeah, um, yeah. Hard to say where it, where it goes, uh, but I hope that is it there goes. a duck hunting association? Not that Do I've Finnish heard. duck hunters come together? No, no, no. We yeah. have hunting clubs. Uh, we have some, you know, social media groups nowadays concentrated on like uh, calling ducks and so on. But it, mm-hmm. not. An active duck hunting organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do, um, we're trying to let's say the long perspective plan for the foundation is to uh, provide good information of sustainable duck hunting, how it can be done. Um, yeah, how, how it can be done without 
harming the population and you know, right, right, right. selectively. Is the foundation doing any other work? Obviously, we focused on the wetlands yeah, because uh, that's how we got involved uh, in Sotka. But is the foundation doing anything else right now in Finland? We're also supporting uh, uh, wildlife game uh, researchers. We supported uh, one research, uh, Antti Pironen from uh, University of Turku, uh, researching uh, widgeons, planting uh, GPS colors to widgeons to find out how the flyways are, where do they migrate from, where do they go how from well they How well they get attracted to oak piles? Yeah, <laughs> that too. That 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 that's one one thing too. Uh, uh, they're trying to you know, yeah, uh, and that that's one of the ways to you know understand where we have to yeah. focus yeah. the the you know the actions wetland restoration efforts. Yes, right. Yeah. Awesome. So you is it is there a specific reason you're focusing just on ducks and wetlands right now? Is that just is like the thing that you believe is. Probably top priority issue yes. for hunting in Finland right now, and that's what you're focusing on. The, the, yeah, that's the reason why we're focusing on it now. Uh, we, we do have a lot of um, dried up swamps. What do you call them? Peatlands yep. here. Yep. Uh, yep. For wood production that are not really doing it really well, uh, and uh, one of the next steps we have to start doing is, is start to you know work on them as well because they have a big uh, big effect on on the water you know what water fil- filtering and everything yeah, yeah 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 i wonder if you could in specifically in the peatland scenario yeah. and i know that the eu probably has some very big directives when it comes to carbon sequestration and carbon markets mm-hmm. carbon budgets bet you there's a bunch of money there mm. if you could get a hold of restoring peatlands yes in terms of hydrologies i think that's that's probably a tying yeah. tying up chase the carbon right yeah. there yeah the, the, tying up the carbon yeah that's that's a really big thing that's uh let's put it this way it hasn't been i haven't had time and and resources sure. to to jump on that yet but it's 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 on the list and um, about the wetlands, wetlands are easy, easy areas because they're limited. They're really, uh, how do you say, they're uh, concrete, small areas that you mm-hmm. can make effect. You can see the effects, but the peatlands are, their owner, owner, uh, ownership, con- what do you call it? Construction of ownerships. There are a lot of owner owners on a big peatland area. Uh, they are much uh, harder to control and much harder to, you know, get a hold of anybody, you know, having a share of that peatland mm-hmm. or being in an effect of this, of this, this, this peatland. So mm-hmm. it needs a lot more work to, to jump into that. But I know that, um, Metsähallitus, the institution of governing Finnish, uh, forest equity, mm-hmm. um, has started doing peatland constructions. Amazing. Oh, really much well auntie i know um i i certainly wanted to we've been trying to do this for a long time and um wanted to have this conversation get everyone up to speed with our developing relationship with finland and the finnish game foundation and very much appreciate you and i know that we're going to work on some infographics moving forward 
and helping you put some some word on the street and and elevate your message globally. Um, I did not specifically talk about this today because I am not going. To, we're not going to dive down this rabbit hole. We're going to save it for another podcast. Okay, and hopefully we do it in a month's time. Yes, not six months time. <laughs> but um, obviously, the Finnish bow hunting study that is yeah. currently happening. Um, has garnered a lot of attention, specifically as it relates to a bow hunting ban that's happening in South Australia. Yeah. And uh, we'll have to have you back on to talk specifically about that work. And maybe we'll, we'll have you back on once the study publishes some of its work, because right yeah. now I think they're still trying to, to push that, those results out. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the study, um, I hope, we're getting the numbers done during the spring. And after that, it's going to be formed as, as a publication that I, I don't know still who our veterinary is going to push it for, for publication. But I know Perfect. a lot of people, a lot of countries are actually waiting for the results. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, Auntie, thank you so much, my man. Let us know if we can do anything for you, okay? Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening. As always, leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.